Welcome to Respect Life Radio. My name is Deacon Jeff Bennett with Catholic Charities of the Archdiocese of Denver. And remember, you can listen to all of our shows at respectliferadio.com. Today, our guest is Joshua Nelson. He's a graduate of Franciscan University, a philosopher who has a deep desire for truth in a world, unfortunately, permeated with relativism. And today we're going to talk about an article he just wrote on Catholic Exchange recently called Offer Up Your Fear. Joshua, thanks for joining us today. Thank you, Deacon Jeffrey, for having me tonight. One thing that I think is really important, I think we as Catholics oftentimes overlook, especially in this day and age, is how consumed we get with our fear. It's found in our culture everywhere. I mean, just look at the news. People are afraid of each other for almost the littlest reasons. And I think it's something that's worth addressing, um, especially in an increasing relativistic world, a world that even statistically, uh, there's been talks about how people are more isolated than ever. Um, COVID didn't help that. Um, I was reading some stats, I think they were from Pew Research, that uh, Gen Z is the most lonely feeling generation ever, despite the greatest access to social communication out there with social media, instant messaging. Um, It's just, I think, important to think about that fear and why is it such a big part of our society and how can we address it? In the article, you you kind of define fear. So maybe why don't we do that to get started? Because you talk about, you know, there's a difference between fear and caution. And maybe let's let's kind of start there just to kind of set the table for this conversation. That's where I was hoping we would go. I would define fear, at least myself, as a type of almost emotional response. It's kind of like a visceral response, like a gut reaction to something uh, that's perceived to be dangerous or And I use the word perceived there in a very important way because it doesn't mean the situation's always dangerous. Um, One thing I notice among my peers and among many people is that it's very hard to have a conversation about things that are almost discussion-worthy or debate-worthy, even on a one-to-one level. Um, People get offended about everything. Um, I'm sure everyone listening has experienced this no matter where you stand politically. Um, And it's hard. It's really hard to even want to engage, um, to draw back when there's, and and not talk and not share our faith, not spread our Catholicism, and not even have an honest discussion about what we believe in today's society. Um, I talk about caution. Caution is a lot different than fear. Oftentimes, I think we confuse the two. I think caution is best explained as like not choosing to go into a dangerous situation. Like you've already identified there's a problem. Like there is a bear in the road. I shouldn't go straight at the bear. It's probably a bad idea. That could result in a lot of bad things. You're you're making a conscious effort. And, And maybe there's a little fear embedded in there because there's some emotion involved with that decision. But you're acknowledging the situation for what it is. You're not letting yourself get consumed by that emotional, visceral response. But a very good example of like what I'm trying to get at here is uh, being drunk. Being drunk is sinful um, in the Catholic faith. And I think when someone's drunk, they're impaired physically, mentally, and they react emotionally to just about everything going on around them. But it's not sinful to have one or a couple drinks, and you have to make a conscious decision 
to not cross that limit, to not let the emotion get the better of you, to not give yourself over to sin. And I think fear and caution are pretty good balance between the two in trying to uh, raise a discussion like this. Um, I, good example, honestly, uh, from my perspective of getting consumed by fear is I, I was studying abroad one time. Uh, Franciscan University has a amazing study abroad program that I'll put a plug in for here. Their Austria program, they take you to almost the foothills of the Alps for an entire semester. Beautiful. Um, I was planning a little trip with some friends to a town called Hallstatt in Austria. And I booked the Airbnb. I thought everything was set. I'm a very meticulous planner. And I checked the day we were supposed to leave. And I real, thought I had made a mistake. I got that gut-wrenching fear that I was going to have to change the trip. I thought I booked the Airbnb at a completely wrong location. And uh, it, it, it consumed me for like an hour almost. I was like, what do I do? I don't want to disappoint my friends. I, um, this trip is going to fall apart and I'm going to look like a fool. And I, I looked back. I actually did a couple double checks. And after an hour, almost like ruminating over this, uh, I realized I'd actually booked the correct address and that everything worked out just fine. Not only had I booked the correct address, I'd actually managed to get one of the cheapest Airbnbs in the area. So it, the trip was much more affordable for everyone. Um, and that's a very good example to me, having experienced it myself, of the kind of fear I'm talking about. What I should have done was be more cautious, did a little more research before I just let that fear suddenly consume me. Um, yeah, and I think, uh, you know, you know we, we do generate some of that fear within us. But it's also, you know, we live in a world that constantly tries to generate fear where there really doesn't need to be. You mentioned COVID before, right? It really exposed mm -hmm. uh, the fear in some individuals we have, you know. People pushing this, you know, so-called climate crisis, you know, overpopulation. And it really is, you know, as you mentioned, caution. It's, it's spending the time to really get to know the truth, get to know the facts, because we can embrace a fear generated by our politicians and by our news media when there really is no fear to worry about. It's, it's a made-up fear. So we really – it does – you know, based on what you're talking about, not only individually, but also when it comes externally, we have something to say in that. And that's why we need to be vigilant to know the truth and really spend that time being cautious and understanding what's really going on, as opposed to just taking what people say verbatim. I, I completely agree. I, I, I think it's such an evil and such an injustice to see what the media does. Um, I don't think many people realize that most of these companies that use these big explicit articles or headlines, they're out there to make a profit. So they're there to get the most clicks, the most views. And the average person doesn't have the time to go through and fact check every article. And even things that claim to be fact checkers, that help, that's just as biased. It doesn't really help the situation. Everyone has an agenda, especially on the internet. Um, the media, in many ways, um, is out there to try to get you to listen, to try to get you to think a certain way, 
And they do that by inducing fear. Um, I don't think that's good. I, I appreciate good media that is out there to be informative, out there to help uplift people rather than try to control them. I, there's a great quote uh, from Musonius Rufus. Um, one, one thing is I, I'm a very strange subscriber to the ancient philosophy of Stoicism. Um, and Musonius is one of the lesser known Stoics. Um, he writes, on the whole, all people must endure pain, both those who seek better things and those who seek worse ones. It is quite strange that people who aim at the better things are are not much uh, not much more uh, not much more unlike to endure pain than those who hope for little as a result of their efforts. What Musonius is getting at: those who are striving to become better usually don't try to put up with a Herculean amount of pain. Um, like, like you think of your weightlifter, you don't start out bench pressing 300 pounds. You don't do that. You got to start out with the little discipline. And, and that applies to all aspects of life. Um, like we see on TV all the time in our media, it's a strong, manly man, right? Um, who can stand up to anything. It, it's an, that's an American icon right there. Um, but you don't become that overnight, like this resistance to fear, to this almost visceral reaction is something that has to come from a discipline. Um, it has to come from, oh, I, I'm going to question this article's headline. Many people don't even read the articles. They read the headline. Um, and you can see in a, in the classic example of a Facebook comment section where people are arguing about everything. And you can tell many people haven't read the article. Um, and that's just a headline. That's not information at all. That's there to get you to say something or to get your attention. People are, you know, they don't want to think, right? People don't think critically. Mm -hmm. anymore. And, you know, they'll, you know, as you mentioned, they'll take a headline, they'll take what somebody says and right, that becomes gospel. And then they start spewing this stuff. And then they let this fear, right? How many times did we see people wearing two and three masks, right? All these shots mm -hmm. that continue to get, and they still got COVID. I mean, it was, it, it's interesting to watch this fear of death, right? This fear that I might cease to live because of a lack of faith, right? You know, we read in the gospels, right? Perfect love casts out all fear. And when we are, you know, immobilized by this fear it just shows our lack of trust and our lack of love for the lord because he's got everything under control and it really does expose a weakness in us when we are controlled by this fear doesn't it it, it sure does there's a really uh great passage in uh, matthew matthew 6 verse 24 um through 32 or 34 which i think touches on this real well um I'm only going to uh, paraphrase a couple of the passages, but I think they'll serve their purpose here. Uh, no, no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor about your body, what you shall put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? 
Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add one cubit to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O men of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall I eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things shall be yours as well. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Let the day's own trouble be sufficient for the day. I think that quote's really powerful. I think um, we as Christians almost have this aversion nowadays um, to that gospel passage. We, I, I've seen amongst people I know, um, they're, they're very worried about where things are nowadays. Um, Worldwide, uh, the persecution of Christians, even statistically, is a fairly all-time high. Um, people are afraid. But the gospel message of Christ is, don't be concerned with even death. Don't be concerned. You're not going to control where you are tomorrow. Just do what you can today and strive for something higher. Um, if you see any of these articles and what we're talking about here, most of these headlines are about what will happen if this happens. Um, you've got to, got to stop something or other, some big made up problem. Um, and if we're just concerned with today, if we're trying to live with authentic Catholic charity today, the best way of living that out is for today, not for tomorrow. I, I'm kind to my neighbor because I want to be kind to my neighbor today not because of all the consequences down the road. Um, I think that's important to consider. I think, uh, I think letting fear prevent us Catholics from acting as true Christians, as in Christian charity and in Christian love. I think fear hampers that. I think we submit ourselves to fear. Um, and that, that's, that's a kind of enslavement. That's a kind of enslavement to passion. Um, and that kind of enslavement to passions damages us. It leads us to sin. It leads us to not fight for the greater good, to sins of omission when we should have done the greater good. Yeah, and I think, you know, to your point, you know, when we are consumed by fear, we become paralyzed, right? We we saw, you know, Peter walking on the water. The Lord's there. He got his arm stretched out. And even in the Lord's presence, there's this fear, and Peter starts to, th- starts to sink. And so— we can become paralyzed and not act and not do the things we are called to do because we spend too much time being worried and fearful about other people and other things. When we have no control over them, we need to realize that the only control we have is how we react to things and not worry about what other mm-hmm. people are going to do because they're going to do whatever they're going to do. And I think a lot of that fear is generated, you know, the evil one puts that in our head that. Oh, if you speak the truth, you're going to be canceled. If you you might lose your job, you might do this. Mm-hmm. You might, well, sure, anything might happen, 
But if we don't speak the truth and we don't do those things, the punishment's going to be far greater and far more painful than if we just did what the Lord was asking us to do. What do you think about that? I, I think that's perfect. I mean, um, just look at a lot of the reactions to the recent Supreme Court decision on Roe versus Wade, um, many of which didn't even take the time to carefully read the Supreme Court's argument or to understand why the decision was made. Um, it's a landmark case. It's something that I think people will study for generations now. It's that important to American society. Um, but that's a great example of how to speak the truth or to the Supreme Court, despite the draft being leaked, despite all these threats made against the judges, they didn't back down. Um, many of whom are Catholic. <laughs> yeah. that, that to me is a great sign of uh, of the Catholic charity and of not backing down in the face of evil. Um, it's unheard of to even think that a Supreme Court draft opinion, this monumental would have been leaked and that all these threats would have been made. It's unheard of. It's never happened before. Well, and, and to the, this day, they still haven't even, they haven't even bothered to find who leaked it. And I guarantee if it had been, the shoe had been on the other foot and it was a conservative that leaked it, Oh, they'd, they'd, they'd have had that out in the news within five minutes. Oh, it would have been out there immediately. Um, I mean, Seneca, in his letter, which is actually called On Natural Fear of Death, so it's very topical, um, he writes, It is not in the order of nature that a man shall proceed with a great heart to a destiny which he believes to be evil. He will go sluggishly and with reluctance. Well, Seneca's point is that it applies to us as Catholics. Um, if we really believe our faith, if, if, if our faith is so fundamental to us that it supersedes all else, then we're not going to be weak about it. We're not going to be pushovers. We're going to fight for that and maybe even die for that. And that's our calling. And we should be joyful that we're standing up for the truth. Um, I think the early Christian martyrs are a pretty good example of that. Uh, many of them went to their deaths joyfully. That's such a strange thing to hear. Like, they're going to their deaths joyfully. You, you could imagine the Romans, who are very highly educated people, reacting to that and thinking they're crazy. They're, these guys are smiling, and they're getting mauled by lions. And I'm, not, I'm not saying that's all of them. Uh, those right. are probably the exceptions, not the norm. But even then, even then, that's the call to greatness. That's the call to something higher. Um, Joan of Arc, another great example of this. A peasant woman in medieval Europe who most likely would never have impacted the history books. She, she had visions and was convicted by those visions to do something that no one thought was possible. And she managed to change the course. Even secular historians today will fully admit that Joan of Arc changed the course of the Hundred Years' War, which really is an important moment in human history. Um, uh, that's conviction right there. And uh, e even reading yeah, but, uh, the biographies of time, she, she loved her faith. She chided her soldiers for their debauchery. It, it, her faith permeated every instance of her, of her career, of her career as a soldier and her destiny for greatness. Yeah. That, and I think that's making you know, an impact. Yeah. And I think, you know, we, we look at this and, you know, the Lord, sets the table for us, right? We're sheep sent among wolves. 
right? He tells us the, the only way to Jesus Christ is through the cross and embracing that cross. Nowhere does he say, hey, just be afraid, don't do anything, and I'll take care of you, right? It's all about moving forward, challenging, you know, the lies of this world. And as a reminder to us, it, it really, it, we are the church militant, not the church afraid, not the church let's hide. And the church, if we want to be the church triumphant one day, then we better, in, in spite of the fear that may be within us, right, we need to have the courage to overcome that fear so that we can do and let the Holy Spirit guide us to do what we're called to do. I completely agree with that. I mean, that's the motif that the Jesuits uh, were under when St. Ignatius was around, um, ad morium de gloriam, for the greater glory of God. Um, that spirituality is very important, was very important to my development as a Catholic. Um, I think Saint, the Jesuits, when they were founded, they went to all corners of the world. They took that missionary spirit to heart. Um, St. Isaac Jobes, being an American saint, um, he was put to death in a very gruesome way, um, and, and he endured that. He even had the opportunity to go back to France because he was tortured for the first time. Got, he got better, decided to come right back, and that's when they killed him. Like, that's true evangelization right there. That, that's, that's not caving to fear. That's not caving to pain, even. Like, it's not even just about fear at that point. He, he'd suffered tremendously, and he didn't let the fear of more pain, which most people nowadays, including myself, react to even the slightest bit of pain with disgust. Like, it's hard to take it. Um, and St. Isaac Jogues puts all of us to shame in that regard. Uh, St. Paul and his missionary zeal as well. Um, I, I think nowadays we let fear consume us to the point where we can't stop thinking about, say, what the media is saying or what we're afraid of, um, and instead thinking about how can I best serve the community around me? How can I best serve even the people I'm afraid of? How can I live out my Catholicism to those I am completely, utterly afraid of? That's true courage. That's, that's yeah, what I think, all these yeah, great things we're doing. Yeah, and you said, you know, the, we have those saints, right? The martyrs, which means witness, right? We have all these examples. You know, when we're, we we come into this world, we're given a guardian angel, we're given the gift of the Holy Spirit at baptism. We have faith, hope, and love, right? We have the sacraments. We have all these things because the Lord knows, hey, it's going to be some tough sledding, and you're going to need all these gifts, all these graces, to be able to endure. And sometimes we forget all those things that we've been given. And as you mentioned before, we buy into the lies of the media and to politicians, and we get all this trumped up fear about external things. And sometimes, you know, we take it internally. And like you said, right, it, it paralyzes us. You know, one of the things that I, I would recommend to people, and you probably have some uh, suggestions as well, but there's a novena called the Surrender Novena. Right. And after every day, I've heard of that one. Yeah. After every day you say, oh, Jesus, I surrender myself to you. Take care of everything. It's a reminder that the Lord is there with us. We are not alone. And if we just let him work within us and help us, then that fear that we have in our hearts and in our minds will be dispelled. And it really is 
something that we need to remember. We're down to the last couple minutes or so. What do you suggest for somebody who's struggling with fear? I'd first recommend finding something that helps you better your discipline. Um, for me, that's working out and running. Um, but it doesn't have to be that. It could be reading. It could be something that helps you train yourself to be able to put effort into things. Because effort is, with, without any effort, with trying to live just a life of ease, you'll easily be overcome by fear whenever it comes around. Um, secondly, on a more intellectual level, I, I have to recommend the letters of Seneca. Um, for, the, for the readers out there, uh, the letters of Seneca are amazingly written, even though he was not a Catholic, he was a pagan. And I think many of them are very applicable to us and our lives as Catholics. Um, thirdly, from a spiritual level, um, I, I have a background. I'm, I'm not Eastern Catholic, but I'm very familiar with Eastern Catholicism. And something that's really important to my spirituality is something called the Jesus Prayer. Um, mm -hmm. Eastern Catholics and Eastern Orthodox have this thing called, might be butchering the pronunciation, called a chotki. And it's almost like, looks kind of like a rosary. Um, it's made of cord. Um, but they just pray the Jesus Prayer on that. And that's simply, Jesus Son of the living God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And they just repeat that all day. The monks in, uh, on Mount Athos, they try to repeat that almost unceasingly. That's something, and try to make that a fundamental part of their existence. By keeping Christ in mind and at the forefront, it helps us put our attachments in perspective because in many times, in many circumstances that I've experienced fear, it's because I'm overly attached to something else. Um, I'm afraid to lose something that I've deemed fundamentally important to me for standing up for what's right. Um, and I think standing up for what's right, got to win, win the day there. And I do it for Christ. It's because I am a Catholic, first and foremost, everything else is secondary, all for the greater glory of God. Um, so no matter what happens, we have to be able to put things in perspective. That's one of the reasons why recommended discipline is the first thing, because I think that helps put our lives and just our realities into perspective without having to pick up a book. Um, well, we're pretty much like at read. Yeah, we're pretty much out of time. How can people follow what you're doing, Joshua? Maybe social media or how can people keep track of your articles? I run a personal blog. It's called Thoughts of a Christian Stoa. And then Catholic Exchange, get my latest articles as they're released. Respect Life Radio is produced by Catholic Charities in the Archdiocese of Denver. And remember, you can listen to all of our shows at respectliferadio.com.